to the Cult of Domesticity podcast, a podcast about history, true crime, and whatever life brings us. I'm Courtney, and every week I am joined by another fascinating person. Let's see what we're going to talk about this week. Hey guys, just going to thank our Patreon members as well as some new ones for the month. Thank you, Shadira, for coming in and becoming a new Patreon patron. <laughs> Also, thank you to Southern Gothic, Jules, Cara Demezio, Landshark, Murderific Podcast, Obscura, a true crime podcast, and Strictly Homicide. So if you want to help out the collective a little bit more, feel free to sign up on Patreon. And now to the episode. Welcome back, devotees. We're back with Meredith. Hi. We finished our cupcakes. They look a bit of a mess. Hey, there perfect they are done they're perfect it's been hours we are drunk now (laughs) just kiss perfection uh let's put it this way we tried using one of those three-way piping bags yeah it was uh problematic to say the least it might have looked like someone took a shit on the (laughs) counter (laughs) you guys are lucky courtney will put some shit on instagram probably not probably not um they turned out really bad They're going to taste fine. They're probably going to taste great. We're going to eat one before we go to sleep so we can have some carbs in our stomach. I thought before we start this one, we'll talk about how we met. Oh, I love that story. So I was playing rugby at Miami. True. Like the boss. (laughs) Before I broke my knee. Whatever. That's not important. (laughs) And I remember you you had started playing. Mm -hmm. I don't think you had played before. You played other things. Mm -hmm. I had never played rugby before until I went to college. And my teammates really felt bad because my last rugby little, we, Miami has rugby bigs and littles like sororities, mainly for the fact to keep you alive at tournaments. (laughs) That is legitimately the reason. And at the... Yeah, in general. In general. Like, if we go out drinking, your big's job is to be like, hey, drink this water. Don't be a damn fool. For the record, I never did that to my littles. They were always on their own or taking care of me. Like, <laughs> But you know what? It's a family thing. Like, it's a family thing. Family takes care of one another. Yeah. There's always that hot mess person, and I just happened to be that person for a little bit in college. It's fine. And they felt bad for me, so I got twins. Yeah. One which was Meredith, and the other... Uh, other one nora and so they were like okay so you have two conveniently you lived in the same dorm that was amazing we lived like two rooms away from each other i sent my friend rachel who's been on this podcast <laughs> to go drop off your gifts for is me- that the girl that my roommate like yeah like she was so sure she was like some girl was trying to get in to this room i don't know what's happening like she was so nervous oh and rachel was nora told me she goes your friend was so awkward. I go, yep, yep, that's my friend. Yep, sounds right. Hey, Rachel, how you doing? Hey, Rachel, she listens, we know. But it was great, and then we became big big and little, and it was. It actually worked out really well because we were all in the same, like, we were all in the pack. It worked out well. We actually had very similar personalities. It clicked. Our family now, what is it, like, six, seven years later? Yeah. Is so fucking huge in Miami. An enormous family. I think we have like six or seven active people like that are my direct descendants. Yeah. Much less Nora's whole side, which includes like you and Erica and that whole, like it's the whole team. So I was a set of twins uh, for my big. And so there was two of us 
and then I, I had twins. So it just keeps expanding. And sometimes for our, our team, it dies off because people leave. Like, right. not everybody likes getting hit. <laughs> exactly. We all were like, oh, this is great stress relief. It's important. Yeah, and you don't make it through an engineering degree without having some kind of stress. Or anger issues. Or anger issues. Whatever. Or history, you, like, or international <clears throat> studies. You're just like, oh, God. They did what? To who? <laughs> it's always so funny. Like, I'll be talking to, like, my coworkers or, like, my law school buddies or whatever, and I'll just be casually recounting, like, some of the horrible injuries that I've seen on the field. And, like, Oh, we've both seen numerous collarbone breaks. So <sighs> let's go back to college and let's talk about your case. Ooh, I love that. Okay, so my story that I'm here to tell you today is about somewhat of... It's a story that's kind of become an urban legend almost in Columbus, Ohio. Um, It's been riddled over and hypothesized and a lot of conspiracy theorists really get into it. It's, it's very conspiracy theory heavy, like tendency. It forward. is very conspiracy theory heavy. Like it's it lends itself really well to conspiracy theories because there's so little evidence. You yeah. can hypothesize and speculate forever about what happened to this guy and nobody still nobody knows. It's still unsolved. Yeah. So Anyways, without, this seems like an episode of BuzzFeed Unsolved. It is. It's basically BuzzFeed Unsolved, whatever. <laughs> I know that's a trademark, but like, don't sue me. <sighs> Let's be friends. <laughs> On the night of March 31st, Brian Schaefer. You're going to be covering the case of Brian Schaefer. Brian Schaefer, yeah. He is a 27-year-old second-year medical student at The Ohio State University. Okay, so my story takes place... Mainly on the night of March 31st, 2006. It was 2006. This is the MySpace era. I didn't think it was that. 2006. Late. This guy has been missing for 13 years. Oh, he'd be like 40 now. Oh. Oh. Okay. Well, anyway. So to give you a little bit of background about Brian Schaefer, he grew up in a Pickerington, which is a suburb of Columbus. Yeah. Um, he went to Ohio State for his undergrad and then continued to go to Ohio the Ohio State University, excuse me, for his <laughs> medical degree. Um, he had, I'm not going to lie. That's a good medical school it is. to go to. It's one of the best medical. It's an R1 school. Like, it's one of the best medical schools in the country, mm-hmm. hands down. But anyways, okay, so he was a second-year medical student at Ohio, the Ohio State University. Um, he had a girlfriend who he had been in a relationship with for some time. According to her and his friends, he planned to marry her. Um, and from all accounts all around, things seemed to be going pretty well for him. Um, up until the beginning of March of that year, 25 days before this March 31st incident, his mom died of bone cancer. That's, I mean, as a child of someone whose parents, my father's parents both died in his early 20s. Mm -hmm. It uh, impacts you very differently. My uncle didn't, when his father, well, his mother died, he didn't go back to... Ohio University. My dad and uncle both kind of... My uncle continued with schooling. My dad worked. It's a very different response. Completely. But if you lose someone like that, it kind of tilts... Like, depending on your relationship, it tilts your worldview extremely. Oh, completely. It's a completely mind-altering event. Like, there's no way that you're going to recover from this type of event and be Mm -hmm. completely the same as you were before. Yeah. So, according to his friends and, you know, close family members and everything, he was clearly in grief but he seemed to be handling the death of his mother fairly well do we ever handle grief well i think he did he seemed to um according i mean you know all evidence suggests that he did other than the normal stresses of being in medical school 
and oh, everyday just... life in Columbus, which I'm sure those stresses are absolutely enormous. You know, dealing with the constant construction. Right. The constant construction around Ohio State's campus is very stressful. As a person that lives there, it is a lot. So other than the, I'm sure, enormous stresses of medical school, Brian tried to lead a very relaxed lifestyle. Um, according to his parents, <laughs> he, uh, he idolized Jimmy Buffett. And said that so, if medical school didn't work out, wanted to go and be a musician and live in the Caribbean. And smoke some ganja? Maybe. I'm not sure. My research didn't yield any confirm nor deny results. This is a very lawyer answer. Okay. <laughs> Cannot confirm nor deny. Also, if you hear noises in the background, my heater is on. We can't do anything about it. The heat is coming on. We'll either freeze to death or that'll come on and it's chosen to come on. Come I think on. I'd rather freeze, but it's okay. Med school is going well. His grades were good. Um, good. He was just kind of, you know, checking along, doing his classes, doing all that, you know, learning yeah. the doctor shit. Cutting uh, things. Learning about organs things. and chemicals and people and how they all work together. One uh, spring semester, he had uh, just finished his classes for the week, and he went out to dinner with his father. His As father. you do. Right. He went out for a steak dinner and then was planning on going out with friends that night uh, to celebrate the beginning of spring break. Because why not? It's spring break. You got to party a little bit, you know? We both went to Miami, so we both experienced Green Beer Day. I love Green Beer Day. What a holiday. I did not like Green Beer Day because it started too damn early. I loved Green Beer Day because it started so early. Basically, pre-spring break is a big, especially in the States, drinking holiday yes college students go out because you could get hammered and then just drive home hungover there's no consequences there's no, no academic consequences to getting hammered before spring break before especially spring break, in medical school after spring break during spring break all of the above whatever the week of spring break exactly. before spring break like it's fine get drunk all the time back to my story yes back. okay so brian schaefer went out with his dad for a steak dinner um his dad noticed that he seemed tired because he had been pulling all-nighters earlier that week because he had exams all week. Because it's midterms and, you know, spring break. And, of course, you're not going to stop going out because you're tired. Absolutely not. I was not in the rule book. <laughs> I totally did. You did. I did not. Whatever. I'm Brian did not. He went out and he met up with his former roommate, whose name is William Clint Florence. So he went by Clint. Um, he met up with them, well, with Clint, about 9 p.m. for a bar crawl. That started at the Ugly Tuna Saloon. That's so early. So if you're an Ohio person, you know where Gateway is and all that. So Ugly Tuna is like right in the middle of that. Um, but yeah, so that's where their bar crawl started. And 9 p.m. is very early to start a bar crawl. But you know what? Good for them. Well, you know what? I guess if you're starting a bar crawl at 9 p.m., that's good because then you can tell the bars before it gets busy so you don't piss off the bartenders. That's true, but like some bartenders don't want crawls until later. No, I think they would want them earlier. I know. I remember in Oxford at least there were a lot of bars that had like no crawls until after ten thirty or no crawls until after eleven. I like think they just don't want. It. They just don't want you crowding. Yeah, them. That's, I'm sure. Big tuna. They started at Lee Tuna. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So they went on their bar crawl. Um, according to all the accounts, they took 
four or five or six or eight shots of hard liquor along their journey, you know, South Campus in the Short North. Um, I mean, that's reasonable. There's plenty of bars there. Right, they're bar hopping. It's all night, you know? Like I'm thinking... Um, so they went on their bar crawl. Brian's girlfriend at the time, her name was Alexis, she was out of town for the weekend, and he called her on the bar crawl at about 10 p.m., so just about an hour after they started. So, you know, he was still doing all right. Early schwitz. Right. But, like, you know, not completely incoherent or, like, you know, whatever. Um, so he called her about 10 p.m. She just kind of checked in and mm-hmm. I guess they spoke and she said he was doing fine. Nothing out of the ordinary. Uh, just, you know, a pretty normal night out for Brian and his friends. So, you know, he wasn't depressed over his mom. He wasn't overly stressed about his exams. He was just, you know, just chilling. He's probably letting exams because, you know, you never know how you're going to do. Exactly. You can't control the situation with your mom, so you're just not dealing with it. Everybody processes in their own way. Brian just happened to need to go get hammered that night. So, anyways, Brian and Clint, they bar hopped around campus in the short north. Uh, They took a bunch of shots along the way. Then they met up with their friend, whose name was Meredith Reed. Hey. Hey. Uh, (laughs) They met up with her uh, in the short north a little bit after midnight. For people who don't know Columbus, short north is where there's a giant market. Yeah, there's so there's a market. There's a lot of bars. There, yeah, there are a lot of bars. Um, there's pretty much every kind of bar that you can imagine that you could possibly want to go to. I actually spent all of last Saturday running around the short north looking for my best friend on his birthday. Um, yeah. I woke up with like a ton of stupid bar stamps on my hands and I had no idea where they were from. But it's fine. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's kind of the... Tr- I would say the tra- it's pretty trendy. It's trendy for Columbus. It definitely attracts a very young crowd. A lot of Ohio State students hang out there. A lot yeah. of like recent graduates hang out there. It's definitely like the yuppie area, one to twenty eight crowd. Like yeah, you know, it's very much the group of people that the, those bars draw. So and they are very close to the campus bars. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's not a very far drive. It's like 10, 15 minutes between the two, if not a twenty minute walk. Right. Not a bad walk. So, and it's all down High Street, isn't it? All right down the same street. It's a one street, easy walk. Ohio State and Columbus is kind of easy that way if you're near Ohio State. Definitely very easy to navigate once you get your bearings. Once you get the basics, you're going to be fine. But anyway, so they met up with their friend Meredith in the short north a little bit after midnight. So, you know, from nine to midnight, they were doing their bar crawl, just kind of hanging out with their friends, whatever. Um, They spend a little bit of time out together, and then she ends up giving the two a ride back to the Ugly Tuna Salina where they had started the bar crawl. So back up to Ohio State's campus. Yes, back up to Ohio State's campus is and the by, Gateway Center. Is it by 13th? Yes. I believe it's it's by 13th. It's just south of Chittenden, like right by the law school. They met up with their friend Meredith. She gave them a ride back to the Ugly Tuna Salina. Which is fair. You want to get your friends you back. you got to do a loop. you, you got to end your crawl where you started. So they walked. So how the Ugly Tuna Salina is set up, you have to go up an escalator mm-hmm. to even get into the bar. Okay. So there's like the gateway plaza. It's like this big kind of sidewalk. It's almost like a mall of bars. I like it. Right. I'm all about it. Um, it's a really fun like place to go, but you have to go up an escalator to get to the front door of this bar. Okay. So there's the escalator in, and there's an emergency exit with some stairs out the back. And they're... Safety first. It's important. Safety is very important. So they went back into the Ugly Tuna at 1.15 in the morning. Still reasonable. They were just going to hit last round, and then they were going to go home. Mm-hmm. That was the plan upon they were going in. So while they were there, you know, they were just kind of chilling, um, as people do during last round. And Brian got separated from his friends. 
So as happens during last round. Exactly. So there's live music. There's a lot of people all over the place. It, you know, it's a little chaotic sometimes. So mm-hmm. he got separated. Uh, they tried to call his cell phone. He wasn't answering. Um, Again, it's like what? 2006? Yeah, 2006. So imagine your cell phone in 2006. I had the lovely, the iconic. Early. I had a sync flip phone. Amazing. Brian had a singular phone. You could, I chucked it at the ground to prove to people how indestructible it was. It still worked for two weeks before it crapped out. That's amazing. <laughs> wow. I miss those phones. Wow. Yeah, I could not do that. And you had now. to like tap, like you had to do a T9 texting. Ooh, oh. Love the T9. Okay, so anyways, they called Brian's phone. Meredith and Brian's friend Clint were not that worried about him because, you know, this is fairly normal behavior for a graduate student during a night out. You know, it's almost also, two o'clock in the morning. You have to think he's a white male by himself. He's going to be fine. Seriously, he's not like a well, female. Well, he's not, but he's going to be fine. He's yeah. a female. He's not a female by himself. He's not a woman of color. He's not a person of color. Right. He's fairly socially dominant. He's good looking. He's very social. Mm-hmm. He's going to be fine. Yeah. They wow. could, they safely presume that he was going to be fine. So he, um, you know, was out socialized, you know, doing his thing, having fun. And according to the security camera footage from the bar, he was outside um, just socializing with these two young women who were mutual friends with his current friend. And the last time he was was at 1.55 a.m. So apparently he said goodbye to these two young ladies yes. and took a couple steps off camera as mm-hmm. if he were to go back inside the bar. You yeah. know, it looked like he was walking towards the entrance. Yes. And then he was never seen again. So he could have walked inside. Could he go, have gone anywhere else? So if he, the only way he could have gone anywhere was if he were completely off camera. The cameras inside the bar did not show him coming back in. Cameras outside the bar covered the escalator. Okay. So, he so that was down. the only method of getting out to that sidewalk. Um, the only other way he possibly could have got out of that building, other than the emergency exit, was a freight elevator. Okay. So at the time, the building was under construction. Yes. And this freight elevator was unwatched by security cameras. That seems like an oversight issue. It would have been incredibly cumbersome for yeah. his six foot two frame to get oh, down yeah. a freight elevator, rung by rung, climbing down this thing. And also, there was a security camera on the sidewalk from all the other bars because this Gateway Plaza, in order to combat increase in crime in the neighborhood, a lot of the bars in this Gateway Plaza have adopted security. For people who don't know, so Ohio State, there's a big homeless problem mm-hmm. because Columbus is constantly fucking expanding. That's it is the Pac-Man of Ohio <laughs> in that it keeps numbing all around its surrounding areas because it's so flat. It can. True. And basically you have Ohio State gets people who are very smart, people who are very athletic, um, people who manage to afford it, and then everyone else. So like... They're completely a catch-all. It's very... It's one of the biggest schools in the country. You're going to get everyone. Yeah. And the, the neighborhood is a mix. It is. So you have people who are all college campus kids. You have people who are lower income. It's a hodgepodge. So you do get crime. Like, my brother has told me when he lived there, they had people get robbed right outside of their apartment. Mm-hmm. But there's also really nice areas. Correct. So it's a mix. So all these bars naturally are like, okay, we know there's drunk kids. 
We know there's drunk rich kids. Let's throw some cameras up so we can protect our asses. Exactly. We got to have some kind of evidence because where there's drunk people, there's going to be problems. So you have to have some completely reliable account of what happened that night or else you're going to have he said, she said, and no one remembers anything. Especially drunk rich people. Exactly. They will sue. Yep. We both went to Miami. We know how this goes. And I'm in law school. What? Yeah. <laughs> well, especially drunk Miami. kids are insane. We both went to Miami. We both know how drunk rich kids go. Oh my god. My daddy will sue you. <laughs> After Brian had apparently disappeared. Um, which happens when you go out. Which happens. So Meredith and Clint and mm. Brian did not have that one sober person. They did not have their sober cat wrangler. They did not have their cat wrangler extraordinaire. I'm sorry to report that they did not have that. That's tragic. So when the bar closed at about two, Meredith and Clint went outside and they waited and watched, you know, the gaggle of drunk people exiting this bar and going down the escalator and going about their night. That's smart. Right. They have to, he has to come out. They kicked everybody out. So they're like, you know what? He's got to be in this crowd somewhere. Let's fucking watch. Let's see who comes out, you know? So they presumed that he would be still inside socializing and would make his way out with the crowd. Yeah. When they didn't see him leave the bar with the crowd of students and, you know, everybody else that was in there, they assumed that he had just gone back to his apartment, called it a night, and just not mentioned it to anyone. Which is normally what happens. Or you, like, hooked up or something and you go home. Right. You either found someone or you just left. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he's got a pretty committed girlfriend. It's not very likely that he's going to be, like, meeting some girl and taking her home and whatever. You, you know, never he's know. about to propose to this girl. There's no way. Sure. That's true. It could happen. But anyways, so his friends and his girlfriend just, they're like, all right, cool. We'll try it in the morning. They go home. They go about their night. That's it. They call it. Yeah. So the next morning, they start calling him. They start calling Brian. As you should. As one does. They're like, hey, what happened? I know I've done it to you. You've done it to me. Exactly. You got to reach We've done it to friends. You got to hey, find him. You alive, bitch? Exactly. Honestly, with the advent of the iPhone, find my friends. It's amazing. You can just know where people are. Like, oh, I... she's home. Solid. <laughs> so Meredith and Clint and Brian's girlfriend, Alexis, tried to call him the next morning. Yes. Um, Alexis started calling him like earlier in the morning, you know, like his cell phone and then his home yeah. phone. Exactly. Um, so she was trying to contact him and she wasn't too, too worried about it or assumed that he was just sleeping off a hangover. As we all do. As one does. Unless you have to work, but yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, you know, she was like, all right, he's probably just sleeping. It's cool. So they actually had tickets to go to Miami for spring break. Oh, did Two days after that Friday mm -hmm. that they that he went out. Yeah. So she was trying to call him to talk about their vacation plans and, like, get everything together. Spring break. Right. Because bitches. she was actually at home that weekend up in Toledo visiting her family. Oh, Toledo. Yeah. So she went up. Um. So... It wasn't until that next day that his dad and brother found out that no one had heard from him since the night before. I mean, even then, people were constantly online or texting right. or something. Like, even though it costs a lot of money, you would text at least one person. But you would say something. It's important. You got to let people know where you are. Right. Yeah. It would be so bizarre, especially in grad school. Right. To not contact someone. Exactly. Or see someone. So, I mean, it's, yeah, it's really unlikely that he wouldn't reach out to anyone. He was a really social person, and mm -hmm. he had very strong relationships with friends and family and his girlfriend, and everyone around him was very important to him. So he definitely put a lot of emphasis on those relationships, and he wanted people to know that he was, you know, safe and yeah. taken care of and everything. Um, you know, he would usually talk. Every night he would call his girlfriend, and they would talk. 
regardless of if they were together or not. You know, obviously if yeah. they were together, they would talk in person, but mm-hmm. they would talk on the phone every single night. Damn, I'm impressed. I know, right? Commitment. But What's that like? <laughs> anyways. <laughs> so his dad and his little brother, Derek, are actually the ones that filed the missing persons report because that next day, mm-hmm. his dad called Derek and Derek went over to Brian's apartment okay. and found his car was in his spot. All of his books were very neatly on their shelves. Everything was very well organized, exactly as Brian usually kept it. His bed was made. It didn't look like anybody had rushed out. There was nothing missing. His cell phone was was not there. It was with him, apparently, mm-hmm. at the time. So basically, it looked like he went out for the night. He had preset everything. Right. Planned to come home. He had never come home, though. He never came back. Do we know where his... Somewhere on campus. I don't know okay. exactly where. So it was within walking distance of, like, the ugly tuna. Yes, completely. Okay. Um, and if you want more information, the website that his little brother set up is called Brian, findbrianschafer.com. Okay. And that is where a lot of this information can be found. The location of the ugly tuna, the location of his apartment, and the general details of when he went missing. Okay. That's all available there. So online sleuths, let's do that, but let's not be negative about it. Right. Keep yes, it. Definitely. Um, so, yeah. So uh, the day after... Derek went to his apartment. His dad ended up going there as well because he heard, you know, everything's in order. I don't know where this guy is. They ended up filing a missing persons report that day. Okay. Um, and then his girlfriend got basically got in on it mm-hmm. the day after when she got back from Toledo. Yeah, so Toledo is about what, three hours? Two and a half, three hours, mm-hmm. something like that. Three yeah. Hours. Depending which way you go from Columbus, mm-hmm. it's diagonal towards the west, northwest, yeah. northwest corner of Columbus, mm-hmm. like of the state. So, like, you have Cleveland pretty much directly north. You go a little west Columbus. Right. So, she's not far. She's really not far. So, I mean, I just want to put, I just want to take a minute to put yourself in Der- er, in Brian's dad's shoes. Mm-hmm. So, three weeks ago, his wife died of bone cancer. Yeah. And now his oldest son is missed within a month. He's yeah. lost two of his most important immediate family, you know? Mm-hmm. That's just got to be incredibly hard for him. So, I mean, he obviously pleaded with the Columbus police to do everything that they could to try and find Brian. Um, he actually bought, you know, those fishing waders, like those rubber yeah. pants. He bought those and spent the next two and a half years walking up and down the shores of the Scioto River looking for his son's body. Damn. Did he try, like... So that's not an easy feat. No. Because it changes year to year. Mm-hmm. And like season to season. There's also the Olentang. Yes. It's on top of it. So there's a couple of rivers that run through Columbus. He was just pacing up and down these riverbanks for two and a half years, just walking up and down. Because he just wants closure. Right, exactly. So he was posting online. He consulted psychics. He was exhausting every available method to him to try and find his son. So... He pleaded with the police and they ended up doing their investigation. Um, Obviously, they investigated and they looked at the security footage from the Ugly Tuna and all the bars surrounding it. They saw absolutely nothing. He took those two steps off camera and then Brian had disappeared. And the thing is, because it's Ohio State, which is, what, 50,000 students? Something like that. It's one of the biggest schools in the country. It's so large that they have so many things happening that if something like this happens, you get lost. And then it's it. Completely. It's so easy to be lost in the crowd because the crowd is so tremendously big. It'd be like trying to figure out what happens to a tuna in a sea of tuna. A tuna in a sea of tuna. Yeah. At the ugly tuna. At the ugly tuna. <laughs> and you just, like, 
you have to tell me which tuna is the one you're looking at. It's impossible. You can't do it. It's impossible. Which good-looking white boy is the good-looking white boy that you're looking for? In a sea of good-looking white boys. Impossible. And one of my brothers was one of those good-looking white boys. (laughs) Later, yeah. No, it's hard. It is. It's impossible. So, apparently, their investigation continued. Obviously, his friends and family continued looking for him. Um, The police exhausted every option that they could, but they largely let the case go because they weren't finding anything. There there were no clues, you know? All they had was the security footage, and they played it over and over and over again, but there was nothing. Took those steps, and he was off camera, and then he was gone. Which is crazy to think of now because so many people have cameras in their pockets. There's extra cameras. They're everywhere. Absolutely everywhere. You can't imagine disappearing. Right. In this age of emerging technology... His girlfriend called his phone every single night, even after he went missing. For months, she called him every night. And about six months after he went missing, in September, one day it connected. It finally connected. Oh my god, how much panic do you think you have? Insane amount. I would freak the hell out. She said that she never knew, she had no idea what she would say if someone picked up. Mm -hmm. She had absolutely no idea. Well, I mean, I don't think anyone could. Right. There's no way. What do you say to your almost fiance this man that you were planning to spend the rest of your life with effectively yeah if he just answers the phone six months after going a wall yeah that's just wild to me but anyways so that night she obviously reported it to the police and was like oh my gosh this is amazing this phone finally connected what can you do to find him yeah so his phone pinged off of a tower in hilliard which is another columbus suburb Maybe 20, 25 minutes from Ohio State. So, like, north, what what direction? It is west. So, a little bit north and a lot west. Like, around the circle? Yes, outside of the circle, west. So, Columbus is one of those cities that has, like, you have the Mm north-south freeways going through, and then the big circle. And the big outer belt circle, yeah. Yeah. So, it's outside of that, which means it's pretty far outside. Right. It's a solid, it's a good distance away. It's actually 14 miles from the location of Ohio State campus, from the Ugly Tuna. Which is, for Ohio State, is pretty far. For for an Ohio City, that's that's a good distance. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously, this led into a huge investigation. People are wondering, is he alive? Is he just chilling in Hilliard? What's happening? Um, The police investigated this claim. And they ended up calling it a glitch in Singular Wireless's systems. I don't think so. A lot of people don't. That's the official report, but I mean, who knows? I mean, Singular is now Verizon, so like... So there are a lot of fears as to what actually happened to Brian. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, today, this case is still unsolved, but people have reported seeing him around Columbus. There's a lady who reported seeing him working in a diner in Michigan. I mean, if you're going to get as far away from Ohio State, go to fucking Michigan. Go to Michigan! Because for, again, international listeners, Ohio State and Michigan University. University of Michigan. So Ohio State and University of Michigan are nemesis. Yes. Nemeses. They absolutely hate one they another. They hate one another. Like, there's, like, people from Ohio State will be like, I don't give a, what is it? The whole, the whole state, state of Michigan. Michigan. I'm from Ann Arbor. I really shouldn't be singing this shit. <laughs> and, like, our, Ann Arbor has their own thing back. Sorry, grew- Ann Arbor. If you're listening, I love you. I grew up in Cleveland. We don't give a shit. We just are happy to have a winning football team. <laughs> so, right. So, he was reported to be seen in Michigan. Uh, there were also reports in New York. Um, 
there were a couple reports in Atlanta, and there were reports even in Sweden. I mean, why not? Universal healthcare is the Get case. out, man. If you're going to get out of Ohio, just go for it, you know? I mean, isn't that how normally people go? They're like, I'm going to get out of Ohio. I'm not going to go fucking Pittsburgh. I'm going to go across okay. country. Let's go to like, Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Go, 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 go. <laughs> exactly. So there are a lot of really wild theories surrounding his disappearance, but my personal favorite there was an online tip from a guy who decided who introduced himself as Jesus. I mean, as you do. Strong start. He said that Brian was in an altercation with two guys at the bar. Okay. He said basically he got in a bar fight with these two dudes. Uh, it's Ohio State. Right. Possible. And this fight ended up knocking him unconscious. Okay. Which, I mean, that's pretty rough, but... Possible. Bar fight, you know, not, not terribly unexpected. But according to this man named Jesus... When Brian woke up, he had a black dick in his mouth. A, a, quote, huge black dick in his mouth. Who doesn't wake up that way? <laughs> As one does, I guess. Um, so according to this account, those men then shot Brian in the head, burned his body, Wait, and had after, sex with the ashes. After the big after black the dick. dick. This sounds like a game of cards against humanity. I know. It's insane. I mean, I'm drunk, but not that drunk. <laughs> Yeah, so obviously this theory has been debunked by the police. They investigated it to the best of their ability, but these are wild claims. The I security mean, footage doesn't indicate anything actually happening to this effect. You'd have to drag the body out. Right. You would, One way or the other. Exactly. You would absolutely have to move a body around, and that would be caught on one of the hundreds of security cameras, not hundreds, but dozens of security cameras around Gateway. Yeah. So another theory is that he hopped on a Greyhound and maybe head to D.C. or Philly or Atlanta. A lot of online sleuths have hypothesized that he wandered into the Olentangy River or I'm... into the Scioto River and maybe killed himself or, you know, just disappeared. I mean, the river thing is possible, but also the at the time, because it is not like people forget secure camera footage has gotten a lot better mm -hmm. in the past. 10 plus years mm -hmm. so he could have just hit him like made sure to miss all of them he could have and to be fair the footage is grainy but it's very distinct and you can tell what he was wearing you can tell that it was him you know yeah. it was very they were able to identify him from this footage so why wouldn't they be able to identify him leaving the bar you what if I mean? he changed? They have said that it was possible that he maybe put a hat on maybe he changed his clothes maybe he did that while he was off camera. Yeah. Police have admitted that. Um, other theories include people saying that maybe Brian never left the Ugly Tuna. Maybe He's still there. They chopped up his body, put it in a keg, and rolled it out the door. Okay, you couldn't get in that keg. Okay, maybe they, like, manipulated it. And put it like, in the ceiling or something and shit? Right. I mean, anyone who smelled a college bar... It smells like death. It smells horrible. It does. That's true. So, obviously, there's all these wild speculation theories about what happened, and no one really has any answers. It's because there are no clues surrounding his disappearance. He just walked into the bar and then was gone. That's it. Like, that's all the evidence that anyone has. That's, like, every parent's worst nightmare and Absolutely. every college freshman's worst, worst nightmare. Absolutely. Randy Schaefer, his dad, mm -hmm. frantically searched for his son for all... for almost three years after but about you know between two and a half and three years later died in a freak accident as a result of a storm no so he 
as a result of his son's disappearance, had become somewhat of a local celebrity. Um, so his obituary was posted online through the Columbus Dispatch, which is the local main newspaper. Yeah. And, you know, it drew a lot of comments from local people and people that had heard of him and heard his story and, you know, kind of um, really resonated with the things that had the happened community. to him. Right, exactly. Um, but one comment that really stood out among the rest was this quote that said, Dad, I love you. Love, Brian. In parentheses, U.S. Virgin Islands. Oh, shit. Right? It's wild. So the police investigated it, and um, they gave it a lot of credit because Brian had been had been so drawn to this tropical lifestyle. He said yeah. he idolized Jimmy Buffett and he loved to take vacations to Miami and the Caribbean and he was all about that, you know, relaxed tropical life. But this claim ended up turning out to be a hoax. They investigated the IP address and said that it was posted from a public computer in Columbus, Ohio. Internet trolls strike again. What if it was him and Maybe. he just wanted to... Maybe. We don't know. This is about 2009, I want to say. So maybe he used, you know, he's still in Columbus. He's just fucking with people. Maybe he was there. So there are, to this day, there are still online forums for people searching for Brian, including that website that I talked about earlier. Um, And that website is maintained by his younger brother, Derek, who is the only remaining family member of that group. See that he's the only remaining one. I know. You know, it's wild. Like, could you imagine, like, your mom dies of bone cancer, your dad dies in a freak accident, and your brother just disappears. And then you gotta feel, like, really alone. But, I mean... So this was not a completely negative um, event, though. So as a result of Brian's father, Randy, his relentless pursuit of this an- these answers uh, surrounding his son's disappearance, he lobbied very aggressively to the state legislature of Ohio for them to establish a standard protocol for when people go missing. Good for him. We need it. Because according to Randy, when people go missing... Whatever happens is left up to the municipality. It's up to the local police to figure out what to do. It's, if you look at um, Ariel Castro, it was the same thing. Mm -hmm. So there's so many cases in Ohio that's like that. Exactly. So there was very aggressive lobbying on Brian's behalf to try to figure out what standard procedures should look like when people go missing and what are these best efforts and how should we figure it out. So that's the story of Brian Schaefer. A man who walked into a bar and disappeared in different. What do you think happened? I think he just put a hat on and walked out a different door. That's what I think. I know it's a very boring theory, mm-hmm. but I think he put a hat on, walked out a different door, and just disappeared. It, it's very plausible, though. Could you imagine being in med- medical school, your second year, your mom dies, maybe your dad, like, maybe him and his dad didn't have the greatest relationship. Maybe he was just the done pressure. Exactly. The pressure of being a such an elite medical school in such a competitive environment. Like, what do you think that long? Really? Exactly. Who knows? Maybe he was nervous about proposing to his girlfriend. By all accounts, he was going to propose on that trip to Miami that was planned on Monday. All of his friends said he was about to propose. Maybe he just wanted to walk away. After his mom died, it was just he just snapped. Exactly. I could see that. I, I don't know. My thought is either he's hiding, so he either did the hat trick, yeah, or he's dead. There's no in-between. Right. There's no in between in this case. And that's the hardest part is for this case is his family has lost so much. Mm-hmm. And I tend to feel that he's toward, towards his dad. Yeah. Because I would think that he would at least try to make some kind of contact with his little brother. Unless they had some kind of enormous falling out. Yeah. Or some enormous personal issue between the two of them, which no one seems to indicate. Yeah. So 
thank you for coming on. Of course. Next week we'll have a new person. I know. It's okay. Let us know what you think happened. Yeah, absolutely. I want to hear your theories. I'm so intrigued. What do you think happened to Brian Schaefer? Solve this case. Let's do it. Let's do it. And uh, we'll see you next week. Okay. Bye. Bye. Even though we live abroad, as women of Indian origin, we have a common thread that binds us together because of our strong cultural background. NRI Women is a platform for women to share their stories and experiences on various topics. Our podcast is about inspiring NRI women and their amazing stories. Some of the stories we've covered include growing up in a joint family in India, adopting a child as a single woman, and rebuilding one's life after the loss of a child. Take a listen. We hope you'll be inspired or learn something new. I'm Bettina. And I'm Lenora. And we're the voices behind NRI Woman Podcast. We're all heart. Just look for NRI Woman wherever you get your podcasts or find us at nriwoman.com. New episodes come out every Monday. Make sure you subscribe. Are you a true crime junkie? Do you talk about true crime with your friends all of the time? And are there cases that have stuck with you for so many years because of geographic or emotional closeness? If so, then welcome to Fatalities. I'm Elisa Lucas, and this is the podcast where I explore true crime cases over tea with the help of my friends. Because without tea, friends, and good conversation, there's nothing but darkness and chaos. So grab a warm cup of tea and join me as my friends and I discuss the cases that have struck a chord with us and the related issues that might help us understand why such horrible crimes have occurred. The podcast is dropped every other Wednesday and is available on such podcatchers as Apple, Podbean, Spotify, and so much more. You may follow Fatalities on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, but don't forget that T's is spelled T-E-A-S because here is where we spill the tea. of domesticity we're available on all podcatchers remember to rate review subscribe to help spread the word or just force other people to listen to it our facebook and twitter are at domestic podcasts and our instagram is at the cult of domesticity we also have podcast merch at threadless uh as well if you want to support us financially or show some appreciation we have a paypal tip jar and a patreon which has some pretty great perks any topic suggestions feel free to email us at domesticpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com remember to stay domestic and cult free